0: Hi there and welcome back to Amplify, the digital marketing entrepreneur podcast. I'm Bob Tentle and every week I'm joined by creators, consultants and practitioners who share what makes their business work. Whether you run your own business or you're just thinking of stepping out on your own for the first time, you're in the right place. If you're new to the show, then welcome along. Just take a second to subscribe in your podcast player so you don't miss new episodes and you can dig into some older ones when you finish this one. If it's your first time joining us for the show, then you'll probably want to join our Facebook group. Just visit the shortcut URL amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders and you'll be taken right there. At the very heart of digital marketing is content and for a lot of people this presents a challenge. We might be very good at our technical or creative niche but without consistently creating our own content it's hard for us to build the kind of audience we need to stand out and really build a business we love full of options and choices. This week my guest is Helen Pollock who runs the content talk. Helen's business is all about helping people like you and me get our content mojo back on. So welcome along and let's meet Helen. So Helen Pollock, welcome to the podcast. Do you want to start by maybe just telling us a little bit about who you are, where you are and the kind of work you do?
1: Yes, of course, and thank you for having me. So I'm Helen Pollock. My business is The Content Doc and I am a ghostwriter. Um, a non-fiction book coach and I help entrepreneurs uh, with any written content really either I write it for them or I coach them to write better business uh, content themselves.
0: And content is such a broad topic Is, is there an area you tend to find yourself snapping back to?
1: It's all about writing for me um, so that's that's what I, I concentrate on. Uh, the trouble is, I'm sure as as you're well aware, when you're working with entrepreneurs and, and very small businesses, you have to take quite a holistic approach. So I will often advise, I'll find myself advising about all sorts of things, um, often video, people are quite nervous about that sort of thing. Um, and an overall content marketing strategy, but my passion is for for writing and also for making sure that um, people are able to repurpose content they create and it all links together well. I think um, when I had
0: a look through your LinkedIn profile, um, there's an awful lot of PR there going back a long time. Um, Is PR something you're still involved in?
1: Yeah, I am. Um, The reason I went into PR, uh, and I've worked in every area of the marketing mix over the years. I I was like head of customer research at Aston Martin for a bit. Um, So, which is really different Mm. to to PR. But um, yeah, I went into PR because I love writing. And when I graduated from university, I was looking to find a job where I could write for a living. And I went for an interview at the local newspaper uh, because I quite fancy journalism. But actually, you had to run a car, um, your own car, um, on a salary of like six grand. And I just, (laughs) it would have been so tight. Um, I just thought, no, I'm not up for that. So when I came across PR... Because I did a sort of postgrad marketing and management course and found out about PR and I thought, oh, hello, this sounds like fun. It's a way I can make a living from doing an awful lot of writing, um, and and yeah, and I'll be able to survive on on a PR salary. So yeah.
0: And what what was it that sort of sent you off on your own direction, doing your running your own business, a content doc? Because that's a couple of years old now. Was there something triggered you to? to Decide, okay, I'm going to do my thing now?
1: Um, I mean, as far back as uh, the early noughties, um, I went traveling around the world by myself for a year uh, from 2003 to 2004. And from that point onwards, I was talking to friends about having uh, what I termed a portfolio lifestyle where I did a bit of this, a bit of that, and a bit of, you know, the other. Um, (laughs) Because I've always been someone who's quite an all-rounder, and I like variety, and I just wasn't finding that in corporate roles. But actually, I did end up going back into corporate life, um, just through necessity, really. So then... The big change, the big impetus for change, came about when I had my daughter, um, she's now eight. And when I was on maternity leave, I knew I had no desire whatsoever to go back to my corporate job. And I would have had to have gone back to that full time. And I didn't want to. I wanted to work flexibly around my family um, and, and being, also be being in control of my own destiny. So I set up um, Little Dragons, which was a uh, Mandarin Chinese language school teaching Mandarin to children.
0: And is Mandarin something that comes naturally to you?
1: (laughs) No, Uh, (laughs) it's not. Um, I should say my degree was French and Italian. I also speak some you know some german some spanish some portuguese um various little bits and bobs of other languages too um and uh, some basic mandarin but i never taught I, I can teach like one half term or one term say to a primary school after school club and that's about it but i employed you know people who were fluent in mandarin um to teach mm rather than myself. And the reason I I set up Little Dragons was I was looking for, you know, a business idea. I was teaching some primary school, after school French. uh, And I kept hearing on the radio, oh, blimey, Um, you know, where this country is losing out economically because we don't have enough Mandarin speakers. You know, there's a massive gap in the number of people who who speak Mandarin and the the number of people we need to speak Mandarin. And no one seemed to really be offering primary school Mandarin. And it's at primary school where we need to start learning languages um, for neurological reasons. Um, And no one seemed to be doing that in a sort of fun and lively way. So I thought, I'm going to do that. So I worked with um, a Mandarin teacher to create a a course program and um, and and off we went
0: and obviously you're not doing that now are you
1: no no Um. it was about five years um, that Little Dragons was going for and it just wasn't profitable enough Um, I tweaked that business model every which way Um, so initially it was aimed at primary schools um it turned out that parents didn't want to pay more than a couple of quid really um and also it was really hard to get mandarin teachers who are great teachers
0: i guess they're all in demand as well
1: they're in demand they can charge more um and then, yeah, there isn't, you know, the appetite from the parents to, to pay more than they would pay for, say, French or Spanish, where teachers are ten a penny. Yeah. Um, so then I created an online course with a brilliant teacher. Um, but I just wasn't, I wasn't getting the numbers still. Um, so I think, you know, maybe it was a, a, just a bit before it's time or... I'm not sure, but then there were there were a few things that happened um, in 2017 which just made me think, oh blimey, I'm so tired of this, and I feel like I've I've gone as far as I can, and so I thought, well, you know, I'd always been doing some PR stuff on the side um, of Little Dragon, so you know whether that was working part time for a PR agency at the same time or just working, you know, as a freelancer. Um, So I thought, uh, yeah, the time has come. So many things happened. It was kind of like, I don't know, you feel like this this is a sign. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I
0: I think sometimes stopping a business is the hardest thing. It's it's quite easy to start a business and and most people never stop unless they simply fail. So making the decision to to not do this anymore is, is quite a hard thing.
1: It is because it feels it feels like a failure. Um, and and that's really hard. But I do not re- uh, sorry, I don't uh, regret a single moment of those five years because I learned so much about business um, that I've been able to take forward. And kind of where I am today. Is a direct result of many of those experiences with little dragons. And the other thing is, I know that my company taught thousands of children Mandarin Chinese during that time. Mm. And some of those children will go on to, you know, will carry on studying Mandarin. um, And it may, you know, change their lives in in some way or other or shape their lives for the better so i feel really proud of what we achieved even though technically you know that business could be said to be a a failure
0: i think legacy comes in all different shapes and sizes and it's not always commercial and i think that's really what you described there yeah um, there there is a legacy um but it's not one that's necessarily led to you becoming wealthy yes um,
1: <laughs>
0: so fast forward to the content doc mm. who is your ideal customer now
1: so my customers tend to be solopreneurs and and particularly podcasters I seem, I seem to be working with loads of podcasters um, in recent times um, and they are people who need to create Lively and relevant written content for their business. So, I'm a ghostwriter, um, so I write uh, business and non fiction books for my clients. Or, there are people who want to write a book but want to do it themselves, but they need some support. So, I act as a book coach for those people. And I've got a three month program and a six month program depending on where they are and, and what they need. And then um, I, I still, you know, do some writing of um, articles, blog posts, etc. myself, if that's what uh, clients need. And I also coach um, people to write their own written content because there are, I think that is a, you know, there are people who want to write their own stuff who aren't happy to um, give up their own voice, I guess. Uh, and just need some support and accountability and and help to, particularly, I I find structure is often the biggest problem that that my clients have. It's coming up with a structure to create that lively, relevant content consistently.
0: I think, yeah, the content creation process is very difficult for a lot of people. It's Mm. having a process for Sort of categorizing what your topics should be yeah. and then consistently generating and capturing ideas, that's the hardest part. But once you've done that, the execution on those ideas can also be equally difficult for some people. So what sort of processes do you bring to to that kind of work?
1: So the first thing is that um, and it's the same for books as it is with you know an article or, or even a blog post or even a social media post, really, you need to do your research before you put pen to paper or perhaps finger to laptop more these days. Um, so you need to be absolutely crystal clear who you know, who your audience is. You know, who are these people? What are their problems? How do you solve them? Um, and even you know what 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 sort of trigger words are going to appeal to them Um, and you I always go through the um, I've got in fact I've got a mini course a free mini course uh, called the content structure buster and I love free courses indeed uh, and I can I can give you um, a link to that I'd be delighted for your listeners to um, to have access to that um, I would
0: definitely share that because I think this is such a common problem. Yeah. That, sorry, I'm am inter- I'm, I'm, I'm interrupting. Don't worry. I, I got excited you. by the word free.
1: <laughs> I I totally hear you. I'm like I'm from <laughs> Yorkshire and have mostly Scottish blood, so that word excites me too.
0: <laughs> so you you were at trigger words. So, so I
1: was at trigger yeah. words. So yeah, you know you've got to um use uh use trigger words that will. Resonate with your audience. You've got to put their their outcomes at the front of your mind as you're writing. Um, I have um, so a worksheet called the Article Framer, which actually uses um, it's a, a a thing from the Reuters Style Guide where you ask yourself you, you know who, why, what, when, where, how. And I think I've added, so what? <laughs> um, and you just, you know, answer all those questions before you start writing. And then you're in a much better position to, to know what your actual thread is. Because um, I think that that's, you, whenever, whenever you're writing a story, you're always looking for your angle. You know, what's my angle going to be? Um, and going through that process just helps you to frame your article or your piece of written content and know what your thread is and that's half the battle. Mm. Um and then the other thing is uh getting your brand values across, you know, you need to just be um clear on how you want to sound and how you don't want to sound. Um so I've got um but also part of that mini course is um is a simple brand values worksheet because you know we we don't actually have to spend a million years on sorting that out it can be quite a simple process so once you've so those things are kind of i like to think of those as lenses that we need to be looking through to actually find the right focus for our written content
0: yeah that makes a lot of sense
1: yeah or or kind of filters or you know something something of that ilk um and once we've done that, then we can um be much clearer when we when we actually start to write, we can hopefully just bang it out. And then also there's just so many simple things that we can do that make make it much easier. So um a good example is my other half has started doing a university course through work recently. And he hadn't studied for like 20 years. So he was um, <laughs> he was really worried about this. And uh, so he asked for my help to structure his first assignment. And, you know, he was kind of feeling overwhelmed. So, you know, this could be an absolute parallel with someone who has negotiated a feature in, in a magazine or. And, you know, then it's like, OK, so now I've got to sit down and write a thousand words about this topic Mm. and it seems like that seems like a lot of words um and the way to break it down is to like anything you have to write an introduction so that's the tell them what you're going to tell them then the main body of the content that's you tell them and then your conclusion tell them what you told them and it, you know it's not rocket science but I, I think um, it can all go out of the window when we're faced with uh, particularly a, a longer piece of content to write.
0: And I think that's that's you're, you're quite right I mean research sounds very very simple but how many people actually sit down and do the research when they've decided they're going to write a blog post it's it's rare they, they will dive straight into writing yeah. and at it, the the same time, I mean, introduction, copy, conclusion. It sounds very simple. It sounds very much like common sense, but actually when you sit down to execute, have you actually got that in the back of your mind or have you completely forgotten these yeah. simple principles? And I think a lot of the time people do forget them.
1: I think so too. And, and then, you know, so if you've got, say, your introduction, your conclusion, and I don't know, you know, choose a number of paragraphs in the middle, and then you can break down. If you break down your word count and think, well, I need to be hitting approximately 200, 250 words in that paragraph, and and for each one, I think that's you know breaking things down in a simple way is such a help. And I know it it um, it really helps my other half with this uh, with this tricky assignment. And not only that, but um a lot of his uh cohort, some of his peers on on the course were also struggling, and he mentioned you know that particular tip to them and and that also you know they they thanked him and said that had really helped so mm. well those you know some of these things as you say uh, seem simple, actually people don't really do them um and you know and that's as a as a professional writer you know if i was sitting down to write something i'd always do my research first and then you can you know knock it out but you don't want to be writing and finding yourself you know thinking oh crik i don't know where i'm going now where am i where's my thread where's my thread gone
0: so one of the things you spoke about is that there's a bit of a trend in working with podcasters. And I imagine that's sort of knocking on the door of people like YouTubers and things like that mm-hmm. as well. It's people who regularly create non-written content. There's a, a bit of a buzz going around the, the digital marketing industry around content repurposing. And that's, I guess, nothing new. I think it's just finally starting to hit the mainstream that if you produce one piece of, Content that should really trickle down through lots and lots of different formats, micro formats, and, and things like that. So, what are some of the common challenges that you see people like podcasters and I assume people who produce video are the, are the same? And what, what do you bring to that, I guess?
1: So, I think it's important to say that although you know, many podcasters and same, you know, same for YouTubers are great verbal communicators that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be great written communicators um or or they may not have the time as well um to write their own written content so so that's where i step in um i guess uh and that's it it's how do you it's common sense really isn't it the repurposing of content it's like well if I'm going to spend uh, half a day or a day um, writing loads of content, then I'm, I want to get you know, bang, as much bang for buck as possible. So the sorts of things that I will do uh, are, um, you know, I'll write a, a long form article that can be used on LinkedIn. I could create a shorter blog uh, blog post format a form for the, the person's website. Um, and then, you know, you you'd create social media, a series of social media posts off the back of it, pointing people to, you know, wherever the the client needs them to be pointed to. Um, so, and obviously, you know, you'd want to be doing something like that for every podcast episode. Um, so, yeah, and it's also, it's, it's looking at the content of a podcast episode and thinking, you know, how can I, what are the headlines here? Um, how can I make something that's really snappy? So, I don't know, five things you need to know about X or, you know, and, and then how can I use those things? So, but yeah, for me, as, as someone who's, who's worked in marketing and PR for, for decades and, and who writes for a living, it's kind of second nature for me to be able to view Content of any kind and pick out the headlines quickly and easily, and it's not quite so easy for others.
0: Yeah, I I, I can totally see that because I I really struggle with that sometimes. Mm. Um, you can have the best interview in the world, but trying to pick out what some people would call the tweetables, yeah, it's really really difficult. And I think it really is. I think some people have a visual eye, some people have an eye for a written text. Um, and yeah i can I can totally see the value in that.
1: mean well, I, I wrote a um a best an Amazon bestselling book recently off off the back of um a podcast series, uh, which was about a particular theme, and that's it uh, you know um, what, as you were as you were talking then, my mind took me back to listening to those podcast episodes and and literally I would be listening, and I would be writing down the killer quotes and the um yeah yeah, the 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 headline points from from each episode
0: that's a really good idea Mm. i hadn't thought of that oh there you go Um, (laughs) no you've just given me a really good idea um i mean it sounds flippant to say you give me a really good idea and i should qualify that for the listener and i think a lot of people say that you can use a podcast as a as a vehicle for writing a book because every single episode is a bit of a case study. Yeah. But once you've produced a podcast episode, you don't necessarily go back and listen to it because you've had that conversation. Mm. You, you do in order to edit it, but that's a very different process and you're listening in a different way. Mm-hmm. Whereas to go back and try and extract the real value from every single episode. That's a really nice idea and I hadn't considered it. And again, yeah. like a lot of things, it sounds like common sense. But the thing about common sense is it's not very common. <laughs>
1: Um... (laughs) well that's it I I think you know you're you're absolutely right it it is a really good thing to do and most podcasters now have their um, episodes transcribed and that is so valuable because you know that there you can lift things from the the transcript quite easily potentially um and and also if you were to take kind of you know to say I, I have um, a client who I've been working with who has a podcast about um a health related issue and she wants to create a book based on 10 episodes that sum up what you would need to know straight away if you were diagnosed with this condition so that's another way that a podcaster could use material there's there's several different ways but yeah it could be you know it could be about a theme or it could be like I guess you know the lady with the the health condition podcast a kind of best of if you like but there's lots of different ways and if you, you're you creating so much content, if you have a podcast, it would seem a shame to not be, you know, squeezing every last bit of juice out of that, even if, you know, that does mean that you're creating content um, not in a written format. That doesn't mean that you can't create lots of written content from that.
0: Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Hmm. I think where I'd like to go next is the ghostwriting side of things. Sure. because it's the, the, my philosophy of digital marketing is it does actually include book writing mm. now I'll, I'll qualify this I think every good strong digital strategy should include a lot short-term elements so things like ads medium-term elements so things like e- email marketing mm. social media social networking basic content marketing mm. but then there are long-term elements And these are the bits that agencies, for example, find difficult to to deliver a lot of the time. And it's things like the blog. They need consistency, they take a lot of effort. And a lot of people don't want to... Agencies don't like to deliver it. um, And people don't like to do it. Um, But it's also things like YouTube and podcast because they're the things that will really create the clear blue water between you and your competitor. And the search engines also love them as a side benefit but they also bring an element of authority that really makes you stand out. And then the crowning element of that authority platform is the book, which is why for me, it's part of a digital strategy, but it's the hardest part. So the ghostwriting side of that Mm -hmm. really allows a lot of people to shortcut that process. So what does the ghostwriting side of things look like for you? I mean, sorry, that was a long, preamble to why ghostwriting's important in my view. Yeah, but,
1: it's yeah. so um, it's really interesting and I, I mean I actually say, I would say, and I know it's very easy for me to say um, <laughs> as a ghostwriter, but I, I think again, if you get a handle around structure and this is this is what I do as a book coach, the biggest hurdle is actually helping people to structure their content um but it's not necessarily as as hard as you would think to write a book and depending I always ask you know one of the first questions I ask my um my clients is um what what material have you got and I want you to you know really think about the source material you might have because you might be further along um in the Book writing process than you realise. So, you know, as I say, if you're a podcast and you've got transcripts, um, or you might be a trainer and you've got um, courses, you know, course materials, uh, presentations, there are lots of things that people might already have that could be used at least as a basis for a book. And even if not, then if you're starting from scratch, then it's, it's probably like 12 to 16 hours of recorded interviews, which it's not actually that much, if you think about it. Um, and we're looking for a business book, you know, probably thirty to 50,000 words. Uh, well, if we break that down into 10 chapters, then that's 10 chapters. So introduction, conclusion, eight chapters in the middle, three to 5,000 words a chapter. It's not actually. I, I think, you know, that Mount Everest... Um, perception about writing a book is actually more a kind of series of molehills or at least monroes um so yeah
0: yeah certainly when you break it down like that it does sound perfectly achievable it is um i think the challenge that some people face is that that book could very quickly come to define you Mm. so you better make sure that that book is something you want to be known for
1: Or Um, or you could always write another one um, (laughs) that moves along as you do because, you know, no one, I I wouldn't worry too much about that because I I know what you're saying because once you've got a book, it's going to be in circulation for years um, and people pass books on. I mean, there's, there's, there's no other form of content where, you know, people would, you know, almost indefinitely pass your book on to others yeah i think but um but it's okay because you know n- nobody stands still and and if you're if things change then yeah yeah write another book it is it is possible it's it's yeah it's okay
0: so the writing the book is one part of the process mm. but once it's written you actually need to do something with it uh, ideally have it published or publish it most people these days especially sort of around the business books unless you're quite well known and have a large audience you're likely to go down the self-publishing route do you have any orientation for that what what that might look like for most people
1: okay so the first thing I would say is um, at the very beginning uh, of well, yeah. You know, when I start working with clients, I tell them um, that writing writing a book is actually fifty percent about the content, and it's fifty percent about the marketing of the book. And you better start on that the moment you start working on a book, if not before, uh, because having an audience that you can sell this book to is of the the utmost importance. There's no point in, you know, writing a book if no one's going to read it. And even, something people don't understand, I think, is um, that these days, even if you get a traditional publishing deal, the publisher will still expect the author to bring a a substantial audience to the party. So regardless of whether you're self-publishing or you're you're seeking um a traditional publisher you and what you're going to need to have your own audience mm, for this book
0: i have heard that that, Mm. that. so looking at the mechanics of self-publishing yeah okay you've you've got your your massive google doc what happens next
1: um so there even if we're self-publishing, I, I always advise my clients that they need to be aiming for a, a an end product that is comparable to a traditional publisher's offering. Yes. And by that I mean it needs to be really well written. It needs to be properly properly proofread and edited. It needs to be um, you know I have been through the layout process. With a professional, it needs to have professional cover design. Um, and I mean, it's like Amazon um, makes it really easy. Uh, and also, there's, there's, so there's um, Amazon Create Space, and also there's Ingram Spark. Um, and they're some of the best known self publishing platforms. And literally, they make it so easy. But you need to have, have used those specialist professionals along the way to make sure that your you know, your book is going to look great. So there's no point, again, in writing great content if it looks awful. Um, and often, so during the research process, I tell my uh, book coaching clients to look at, to do customer research and also to do competitor research and look at books that have been published by competitors or at least those in the same sector and look at what people what readers and look at the reviews look at the, what the readers liked about those books and what they didn't like and you would not believe how often the things that they you know that the, the didn't likes include poor spelling and grammar badly yeah. written And that's, you know, you you don't want that because um, that's the trouble because books are so long lasting and, you know, as a marketing strategy, they're great. But if you execute them very poorly, again, that is attached to your um, reputation for quite a long time.
0: Yeah. Now, one of my favourite authors is Mm. self-published and he's in the fiction space Mm. and his books are full of typos and it I've, you forgive it but it does sort of draw you out of the flow yeah
1: but at least that's fiction as well yeah. Bob but you know if, if it's, this is business if this is a business book I, I think you know you're, you're expecting a level of professionalism there yes and what does that say about you as a business person if you can't even you know spell check your book properly
0: so how do you work with clients on the, the book side of things because obviously, you you must have a range of ways that you engage in order to help them through that process.
1: Yeah. So, really, the, there are two main ways. So, there's, there's the ghostwriting where I write the book for them effectively. And that uh, people often ask me, oh, why, why would someone use a ghostwriter? And really, uh, there are two reasons. And the first one is time, um, a lack of time. Maybe they're someone who's wanted to write a book for for ages and it just keeps going to the bottom of the to do list and they are not able to um, find the time, carve the time out of the schedule to get this book written. Um, the second reason is a lack of confidence in their writing um, ability. And, you know, that's that's absolutely fine, too. Uh you don't have to be a great writer to write your own book if you've got a great proofreader and a fantastic editor to help you out then that's fine Um but if you don't um, then you know ghostwriters are a, a good option and then as a non-fiction and sort of business book coach I help people who either again want to <laughs> write a book and Can't seem to get started. It's just too overwhelming. They don't know what to do, and they they want to write it themselves. um, And their having their own voice is really important to them. So with ghostwriting, although the ghostwriter will always try to um, get a handle on your character, and I'm always listening out for phrases people say often and that sort of thing, um, and inject that into the book. Some people, well, you do have to the, the the author will have to relinquish control and accept that you know their their book might not always sound like them because fundamentally it's not gonna be them who is writing the book um so my book coaching clients are people who who want a hundred percent to have their own voice, they want to write their own book um they are committed to carving out the time in their schedule to get it done, and they work with me over three months or six months um, and i provide support and accountability so i'll tell them what they need to do you know we run through all the research tasks um, and that sort of thing and their brand values all those all those things that we've already talked about um and then you know we'll work on the structure and create a table of contents which is the book skeleton that's what it is and then it's the author's job to, to put the flesh on those bones. And I get my um, clients, whether they work with me as a ghostwriter or a book coach, my job is to get them to a final draft manuscript that can then go on to a proofreader and editor and you know, let, and go, start going into that um, publishing process. So that's what I do, really.
0: Right. Again, very, very structured. Yeah.
1: Like. So, Absolutely. But I can be flexible, and I, I think, you know, because some people come to to me and they, they haven't started writing, but I had, uh, and I'd always thought those were my people. But actually, I had a lady come to me earlier this year who had started writing, and in fact, was about halfway through but was just worried that um, she was struggling and needed needed some help. And um, so I, I helped her and, and that was really interesting because actually my program was flexible enough to accommodate her needs, even though she was part of the way through. So that was, that was good to know.
0: So we've spoken quite a lot about what you do for your clients. Mm. And I think I've wanted to probably focus on that more than normally would, because I think what you bring to your clients, a lot of my audience will or should be very, very interested in it. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'd like to understand a little bit about is how you market your business, because I have to sort of it, it's one, one of the common things I like to understand is how people find their clients, because mm-hmm. it's so varied. So how does that typically work for you? I mean, it, most people, it's either word of mouth or a result of their content marketing or search or, or they run ads. What does that typically look like for you?
1: So um, in a in a classic case of physician heal thyself, <laughs> uh, and I bet I'm not the per- first person to say that either on this podcast. Um, no. I'm a, you know, I'm a career marketer uh, and I have historically been very bad at marketing my own business. And I think the reason for that is is just confidence. It's, you know, it's going to involve me putting my head above the parapet and that's just an uncomfortable place to be. Um, But I have embraced my fear this year and i have started putting out um short videos on linkedin i chose linkedin as my platform so prior to that it's been purely word of mouth but i've started putting out these uh, videos on linkedin and i also um and this was interesting i met up with a competitor a couple of months ago she works in a, a different area of the country, so she's a bit more you know, south than me. I'm in Leamington Spa in the Midlands. And she's been a book coach for years. Um, and she's also a, an author in her own right, but she's not a ghostwriter. So there is some overlap, but not total overlap in, in our um, services. But she told me that um, she got most of her uh, book coaching Business from face-to-face networking, which was really surprising to me, because I thought that what we did was pretty niche, and I wouldn't have expected that to be the case. So I've also started networking, <laughs> um, and I'm going to stick at it. Um, so I, I, these videos are my lead magnets that I've created. Um, off the back of those, are proving to be quite successful in in helping me to build an email list. And my goal for 2020 is just to keep growing the email list, um, creating great content, repurposing it as much as possible. Uh, And, um, yeah, that's kind of, uh, that's my plan. But I've had, just also, I I, um, completely sort of uh recreated really my linkedin profile in summer this year and um, following the fabulous john espirian's guidelines i'm sure he's he's probably familiar to your um to your listeners and if not he should be
0: (laughs) some of them i think he's somebody that i do need to have as a guest because i'm very well aware of him but yeah i think many people aren't
1: he is so amazing He's he's a technical writer but um he yeah gives great advice about using linkedin to market your business and all, all all i did was yeah kind of rejig my linkedin profile um using john's recommendations which are you know he gives freely as a as a pdf document and um i had leads off just off the back of that that was before i even started putting content out there
0: Wow, I need to go and have a look.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, and then starting to put out those videos. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm getting several hundred views over. Um, LinkedIn is, is my primary social media channel, and then I pop it on my Facebook page as well, my content doc Facebook page, um, and my and my personal one actually. But um, yeah, and yeah, people are uh, getting in touch. I've got loads of leads uh, yeah my, my yeah my pipeline's never been so um so busy <laughs>
0: very nice <laughs> so
1: 2020 is so, looking good
0: yeah well I guess my last question would be there are the lots of services that you've spoken about but what I usually find in any one business and this is really a point of curiosity for a lot of people but they never ask but of all the revenue streams that you have which one is it that Tends to be the one that just pays all the bills
1: oh you're you're gonna you're gonna love this one um it's something I haven't actually mentioned at all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you didn't have to be honest
1: <laughs> I know it's so um a lot of the people I work with are property people, and actually, at the moment, I randomly manage a serviced accommodation property for somebody. A couple of them actually. And in terms of reliability of the money that's coming in, because I've been doing that for like three and a half years. Right. At the moment, that is the thing.
0: That's almost a separate business, really. Which yeah. is
1: almost a separate business. But having said that, the other than that, it's my book coaching. It's right. It's from Of of the things we've talked about today, it's the coaching that that brings the money in because um, it's one of those services which I've created an awful, well, all the content up front and that gets emailed out regularly to people who are on the, the coaching programs. And then above that, it's, you know, it's a video call or two a month and then you know there's some email toing and froing and me having a review of things but but it's all quite strictly defined the parameters of that interaction are uh, um, quite strictly defined so it's getting away from trading time for money and that's my ultimate goal
0: Uh, yeah i think that will resonate with a lot of people so helen You've been very generous with your time and very generous with your knowledge. If people want to connect with you, how would you like them to do that?
1: Come and connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, so uh, it's I'm under Helen Pollock and um, yeah, it'd be great to connect with you.
0: Helen, thank you very much. You've been a great guest. Um, hopefully everyone is going to get out and start working on their book. Um, you mentioned a couple of free courses. I'll put links to those in the show notes if anybody wants them. Um, I don't know if you want to quickly tell us what they are again.
1: Sure. Yes. I, so there's the um, the content structure buster mini course. Um, so that's that works for everything from a blog post right up to a book. And then I I've, I've written a, a 25 page um, e book. For people who want to write their own business or non-fiction book, which just don't know where to start, which is cunningly entitled "I Just Don't Know Where to Start," um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'd be very happy uh, to uh, to offer those to your listeners, um, yeah, free of charge. So I'll, I'll give you well,
0: those. Yeah, if anyone wants those, you'll find links to them in the show notes. Yeah. So Helen Pollock thank you very much for your time.
1: Thanks so much for inviting me. It's been fun.
0: Writing a book might not be on the agenda for you right now, but if you want to stand out, have any kind of authority or visibility, even if you focus on ads, then you need to have systems and processes for creating and sharing your own great content. Hopefully Helen's courses, which you'll find in the show notes will help with that. This is going to be the last show of 2019. I'm taking a couple of weeks off and I'll be back on Monday, the 6th of January. But before I go, just a quick reminder to subscribe. And if you haven't already, to join our Facebook group. You can find a link in the show notes or just head to amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders. If you're a regular listener then I would love for you to connect with me on social media. Follow me on Instagram or Twitter where I'm at Bob Gentle or on LinkedIn where I'm just plain old Bob Gentle. And if you do then message me so I know and I can follow you back. If you enjoyed the show then I would love for you to review it on iTunes. It means a lot to me and it's the very best way to help me reach more subscribers if you celebrate Christmas then have a great Christmas uh, and have a great new year and I'll see you in 2020. My name is Bob Gentle, thanks again to Helen for giving us her time this week and to you for listening and see you next year.